All right, so I actually, I'm excited. I get to introduce uh, our speaker today. Last week, we started a series. Um, each March here, what we've been doing is, is taking some time out, and we've been focusing on our global part of our Kingdom Builders. What Kingdom Builders is, is it's just a way for us uh, to try and be incredibly invested in building the Kingdom of God. All right, and so we do that in several ways. One of the main ways that we can do that, especially just as Americans, is financially. We can be part of, of building the kingdom of God around the world. Um, but we kind of have three different sections of our kingdom builders. Uh, we have this global side of it, which we're talking about this, this month, which is how can you, right here in Long Prairie, Minnesota, have an impact on all of Minnesota, an impact on all of our country, an impact on all of our world. We also break our kingdom builders down into talking about the local side of things, like what we really can do here locally, but then also the future generations. How can we invest in the youth and the kids and the future generations and make sure that they are moving into a spot where they are also going to be building the kingdom of God, following Jesus with everything that they have. So that's kind of our kingdom builders focus, but we are, we are looking at the global side of it. Last week, Pastor Corey shared uh, about how he had taken a trip to Thailand this last year uh, with some other pastors. And they were able to meet with uh, a missionary and kind of a, a director of an area um, and just get some of the vision of what it is that's going on there. And so he shared that last week. And I'm excited because this week we actually have that director here with us. And we can talk later. If, things can't, if we can't say missionary online, we'll, just, we'll either cut that out or we'll just not even post it. That's fine as well. So I know depending on where people are at, sometimes that's a sensitive thing, sometimes it isn't. But I'm excited. Uh, I actually have known Mark for quite a while. Uh, his mother was one of my favorite Sunday school teachers. All right, so I grew up over in Little Falls, uh, and Marvis, his mom, was one of my teachers in art. Um, he, just, he was that guy that would sit by the door going into the sanctuary and you didn't know, like you were looking at his face, trying to get a read, and you're like, I don't know if you're going to yell at me right now, or if you're going to hug me, or like what's going to, but he just kind of was that, that guy that would just sit there, he was constant, he was always there, and Art and Marvis were such an amazing part of my church growing up, just spiritual heroes of mine, people who invested in me, and I know that I would not be where I am today without the generations before me investing in me. And I think that's true of probably every one of us in this room. And so I just, I'm incredibly grateful for this family, uh, and I've gotten to know his, his brother Larry as well when we were up in Duluth, and just the impact that he's had, and so uh, their family has just meant a lot to me, and I'm excited for him to be here today uh, and share some stories with us. So, Pastor Mark, would you come? And Janie. That's okay, that's okay. No, we're good, we're good. It's so good to be here with you today and to see Phil and Rhonda here too. That's an extra special surprise. And to be here with Pastor Josiah from Little Falls. It's lots of memories there. I'm so glad I married into the Art and Marvis Doreen family. It's been, they've been very special to me too. We wanted to start this morning just by thanking you so very much for your faithfulness over the years in praying and supporting us. We actually were picked up by this church, I think, about 31 years ago. And, and you have been, you know, faithfully helping us out there to do what God's asked us to do. And we appreciate that so much. Most, most of our churches 
are from Minnesota and North Dakota that support us. And what a faithful group of people and churches we have had. We haven't, you know, we have been free to pursue, you know, follow the ministry that God has given us to do. We haven't had to take time away from that to um, communicate and, and because we need more support over the years. You know, we've been able to just focus on what God has asked us to do because of your faithfulness, and we just appreciate that so very much. Um, I, I heard your pastor say he's been giving out the book that Mark wrote the last couple weeks, but if you don't have one yet, we have some out at a table. We have lots of things out there, and we'd love for all of you just to stop by and say hi, because we appreciate every one of you. And this is also another thing that we have out there called 15 Days of Prayer, and one of the things that we're really hoping is that you will join with us in praying for the Buddhist world. And in these two books, there's a lot of um, ideas of things that you can pray for, because if you spend a lot of time praying, sometimes you run out of new ideas. <laughs> so <laughs> there's some here for you. So thank you very much. I'm actually related to your pastor. Uh, his uncle, Arlen, married my cousin, Debbie. So, uh, and um, to make it even more weird, <clears throat> um, uh, we're, I'm probably related to half of the people here in this place <laughs> in some way or the other, you know. My dad uh, was in the youth group in Long Prairie Assembly of God Church, which is in the old, that old church on 27 here as you go into town. Am I pointing the right way? I think that way. And... Um, uh, and my mom was in the youth group in Sock Center, Assembly of God, which is a little tiny church like that in the in, in the downtown area of Sock Center. And so they met, and um, the two families uh, met, and somehow, I don't remember how that went, but they married each other. And then my dad's sister married my mom's brother, uh, from Sock Center too. So, you know, so that, you know, there wasn't, I guess there wasn't that many people around 70 years ago. So <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we're probably, there's probably, I'm probably related to a bunch of you here this morning. Anyway, um, uh, Pastor Corey uh, is an excitable guy. You guys probably are well aware of that. He loved the time in Thailand and asked me to share and, and I tell you, the guys that came, were there were eight pastors from Minnesota, plus Mark Dean, the, the superintendent here, and Matt, another uh, media guy. There were 10 of them, and they were amazing. Uh, but we took them to some of the darkest, spiritually darkest temples in Thailand. Buddhism is a very, very dark religion. It doesn't look like it or feel like it here in America because the kind of Buddhism that gets... Uh, imported into the U.S. is not uh, the whole thing. And uh, so you get uh, the kind of the meditation part, uh, the um, uh, yoga stuff and things like that, but you don't get the deeper philosophy. And uh, But it's, it's a very, very dark religion. And so our focus this morning will be prayer. Uh, I, I, I believe that we're missing, we've missed for many years the power and the opportunity that, that we have here in the United States to affect the world through prayer. And so thank you for your emphasis on prayer. By the way, you're the real Minnesotan sitting here with your short sleeves on, <laughs> Pastor Aaron. Yeah, 
Uh, I'm no longer a real Minnesotan after living in, in Thailand for 30 years. It's a hot nation. It's a hot place. It's a tropical country. Uh, even in the winter, it's 90 degrees every day, you know, kind of thing. Maybe upper 80s. So uh, we, that, we've changed. Uh, anyway, um, uh, it's a, it, Corey came back just full of, uh, uh, I guess, motivation to encourage us all to pray. So this, this is going to be a focus on prayer. And uh, so I want to encourage you and, and give you some reasons uh, why prayer is so important and so necessary. But he also wanted me to share a little bit about my calling. Uh, I was born in Sauk Center, grew up in Holdingford, Minnesota. There's one, one of the few churches in the world that knows where Holdingford, Minnesota is. And uh, we went to Little Falls uh, to church. It was uh, 20 miles from our house where Sauk Center was 25, so it was kind of a... Uh, you know, uh, give or take. And um, there, that church in Little Falls was a very missions-oriented church and had missionaries coming through quite often. When I was 14 years old, some missionaries from Missionary Aviation Fellowship, so these are uh, missionary pilots uh, who help uh, missionaries around the world in very remote places by flying them in, flying supplies in and things like that. So the missionary there showed a film called uh, Jungle Pilot. And some of you may have heard the story in the 1950s of five missionaries who were killed, martyred by an uh, Aka tribal group in Quito, Ecuador. And so this was that story of Nate Saint and, and these five missionaries that were martyred. And a 14-year-old boy watching this film, for some reason, uh, the Holy Spirit just touched my heart and said, uh, that's, what, that's what I want you to do. I want you to be a missionary. And that stuck with me. And uh, so uh, that was our goal from then on. I was actually pointed towards being a missionary pilot and got the pilot's license and mechanics ratings and all that stuff to, to go that direction. But God used that to guide me, to guide us into missions. And uh, so for 30 years now, we've been in Thailand uh, we pastored a bit. In fact, the Goulds were part of Chi Alpha, and we were part of Chi Alpha way back 40 years ago. Wow. And, uh, and uh, so I, I wanted to think that they just came for us this morning, to, and they were our, they're our fan club, but they, they said, no, we just, our church wasn't open, so we just came. They didn't know we were here. So anyway, uh, back in the, those Chi Alpha days, I ended up pastoring that church in Minneapolis on the University of Minnesota for four years and then going to Thailand. So we raised our family there. And uh, I, I want to encourage you uh, this morning uh, that, uh, that God still calls missionaries today. God still calls today. And uh, there is still a need for missionaries, There's, and especially in the Buddhist world. It's a very, very challenging place for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is still a need for workers. Listen to his call. Some of you may have heard something of the call of God, the nudging of the Lord at some point in your life to, to serve in this kind of way. Um, listen to that voice. God is still calling today, and there's still a need today. And if you f sense that or f wonder if you're called, please talk to us uh, after, afterward. There is a place. There's a place for you. Um, secondly, God uses anyone. God use, in fact, God uses little people much more often throughout the scriptures than big people or talented or important people. Um, I, I feel like uh, coming from Holding Ford, Minnesota, 
that uh, I went, uh, I was talking to a brother back here, forgot your name, sir. Uh, you're talking about going to country school. And um, I went to country school in, in outside of uh, Holding Ford, Minnesota. It was a one-room country school. There were 16 kids in the school. My first three years uh, was in this little, you know, very kind of backwards place. But God took us and used us. And, and I want to encourage you that if you feel you're not anyone important, God will want to use you. <laughs> uh, through the, throughout the scriptures, we see that God loves using uh, little people. Uh, Gideon, in Judges 6.15, Gideon said, Pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. He didn't say I'm just weak. He said, I'm the weakest. And he said, uh, I, he didn't say, I'm just small in my family. He said, I am the least in my family. So God took the person from the weakest clan and the least in his family to be a deliverer of Israel. And, in, and, and even King Saul in 1 Samuel 9, 21, Saul answered, am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? Benjamin was the smallest of the 12 tribes. And is not my clan the humblest? of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. So God took the smallest and the humblest. And then David, 1 Samuel 16, 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he's keeping the sheep. God loves taking weak things and using them and making them into, uh, into strong things. That, because the glory then goes to God. So don't think you're not ready or you don't have the talent because if, you, if you're called and you respond, God will use you no matter how um, unprepared or unable that you think you are. So I want to encourage you that with this morning and I feel like that with my life. I don't know that I was anything special and in fact I was very afraid of people and crowds and, and would never imagine myself up on a stage preaching to people and God took that and 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 so slowly changed and used me over the years so um so that that brought us to Thailand uh which is a very very challenging place a spiritually dark place uh after 200 years of missionary efforts in Thailand uh, there's still 0.1% Christians there's a very very small number of Christians uh, the gospel uh, advances very, very slowly. Um, and and uh, I remember bringing my family uh, to Thailand in, the, in February of 1994 is when we arrived. We'd prepared for a couple of years before that. And uh, as we arrived in Chiang Mai in the northern, in northern part of Thailand, uh, our first job was to find a house to rent. And so we rode these two little tuk-tuks, uh, little three-wheeled kind of uh, 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 taxi things uh, in, in two different ones through the dusty streets of Chiang Mai and into this uh, guest house where we stayed for a few days and began to look for a house to rent. And we, uh, the a missionary came up from Bangkok and they helped us look at houses. We looked at six or seven places. And uh, we noticed something immediately and that uh, in front of every house, almost every house in town, was what looked like a little dollhouse on a pedestal. 
And it was, we're told, the spirit house for that home. A spirit house is the place where the spirit owner of the property is supposed to live in this little house. There's no idol in there. It was just empty, but it was used as a place to bring offerings every morning. Uh, the, the spirit is called, in Thai, is called Jiao Tidin, which means the owner of the property. And so that's, that's the belief in, in that part of the world, that every piece of ground has a spirit owner, and it's not God, by the way. And, uh, and, they, and so at this little house, every morning, the people who live in that property are obligated to bring some sort of sacrifice. They bring uh, can, uh, incense that they burn there. They bring a glass of water. They'll bring a piece of fruit or something. Then they'll kneel down before that spirit, uh, and, and this happens to this day. It happens today. Uh, uh, some of the people who, who have come to Thailand and we take them to these places say, wow, didn't know places like this existed anymore. And if you read my book, uh, someone said to me the other day, do you know that the stuff you've written is really weird to us, <laughs> this spiritual stuff? Is that really true? Does that really happen? Yeah, really, it, it really is a world like that. And, and, and the Buddhist world, by the way, and I probably missed a slide here, but the Buddhist world is, is a billion people, which is how big is a billion? There's about 330-some million in the United States of America. That means three United States of America, every person in America three times makes up the Buddhist world. It's a big world in, in China, Japan, Thailand, and all of Southeast Asia. Um, and, and, and that world still exists. It's a very spiritual world. The existence of, of a demonic presence is easy to find in that kind of world. And so as we went from house to house, uh, there was this spirit house in front, but we came to a house that didn't have a spirit house in front of it. Uh, but uh, and inside the house, on the second level of the house, it was a large, just a large open room. It, it happened to be the spirit room of the house. And in that spirit room was uh, a big table piled with idols and burning incense and candles. And uh, an unusual thing was a, a large picture of an Indian guru with hair sticking out and a long, long beard. And uh, then next to that table was just a, a chair, a regular chair with a, a portrait or a picture of this guru from his waist up, life-sized. And then uh, there were a pair of pants laying on the chair with the legs hanging down to the floor and a pair of sandals down there. So when you looked at it, it looked like the, he was sitting there in the chair. And then set up away from the chair for uh, about two, three feet away was a pillow, a kneeling pillow, where the lady of the house, the owner of the house said, uh, every day I come and I, I channel with or I... I speak to this guru to get advice and input and blessing on my life every day. And we could see right in front of that kneeling pillow was some uh, wax drippings where she would also light candles there. And um, the room was kind of filled with the incense that was being burned as well. My uh, youngest, my son, was 10 years old at the time. And I think I have a picture of my kids uh, as uh, the year that we were appointed as missionaries. My son was 10, and he uh, was not able, 
He's, he told us, I'm, I, I, don't, I can't be in the house because I get a, I get a headache and I just feel terrible. I'm, I can't stay here. And he went outside and sat on the front steps as we walked through the house. Uh, that uh, presence was so strong. Well, when we, um, the, the, the lady of the house told us, okay, if you take the house, I'll take these things out of here for you. We went back to our guest house. And as I went into the guest house that day, I, I was thinking to myself, how, what did I do? bringing my family, my three little kids and my family into an atmosphere like this. And what house were we going to choose? Of the houses that we had to pick from, um, there weren't any good choices. They were all very spiritual places. And uh, so um, we said, let's, I said, let's just sit on the floor in a circle and let's pray and let's ask the Lord to give us guidance on, to, on what house we should choose. And so we sat on the floor and we began to pray and just say, Lord, help us. Because the one we really liked was the, that guru house. It was in the right location, the right price. It was, in, it was the right size of a house. But, but that spiritual darkness was such a question in my mind. And as we sat praying on the floor, just for a few minutes, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in a powerful way. And I want to say that I believe people were praying for us at that moment. Uh, I want to say that throughout our missionary career, there were times... When we came, there were many times that we came into situations we did not know what to do. We, did, we weren't trained, we weren't prepared for it. And you, I don't know that there is a way to, to learn uh, about this, this kind of spiritual stuff. But at the right time, the Holy Spirit would speak to, speak to our hearts and show us what to do. And in those times, again, we felt and sensed the support of praying people. Uh, I believe that the role of the church here in the U.S. is not just financial sending. The role, there's a, a role that's even more powerful, and that is prayer. Um, you, you can affect the destiny of nations, and that's what I want to communicate with you more than anything else this morning. But as we, as we sat there in prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in a very powerful way. And, and that verse from 1 John 4.4 4, uh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when I heard that, I knew immediately the Lord was saying, go ahead and take that, that guru house because the Lord that lives inside of you is greater than that power that exists in that house and you're going to be okay. And, uh, and, and I quickly I told the family, hey, this is what I heard, this is what I sensed. And uh, so we decided we're going to do it. So we decided to move into that house. Before we moved in, we invited the, the Christians in a small church that we were going to work with in Chiang Mai to come and to pray over the house. And, and, and it's a normal thing in Thailand, in these Asian countries, it's a normal thing to have a house warming before a person moves into a new house because, and it's not a bring groceries and have a little party, but it's prayer. It's prayer saying, let's clean out the old spiritual presence that has been here and let's install, let's call upon Jesus as the, the resident owner of this property and the resident of this house. And I think it's a good practice for us, no matter if we live in, the Amer in America or where we live, that uh, we say we're dedicating our house, we're dedicating our car for that, I mean, we're dedicating our place to Jesus. Let's say Jesus is the owner of our house. He's the owner of the atmosphere inside of our house.
But that's what this, these people did. They, they came in our home, and we told the story through translators at the time. We could not speak Thai. And, uh, and they, after they heard it, they said, okay, we're going to pray. And they began to just break up and walk through the rooms of the house and look for things and pray over the house. And one guy leaned out the second floor window and found a white string that had been tied around the house. And he said, and he, and he began to pull it, pull it down. He yelled and they, they helped him. They pulled the string it down. They said, the, the monks put that up to protect against evil spirits from the outside. Uh, and, uh, but it's it not not the protecting the wrong kind of spirit inside uh, and then uh, some of them found these wooden snake dragons on the wall and they tore them off the wall which made us a little nervous about what the the landlord the landlady would say uh, but they found a f- several things and they had a little burning ceremony outside in the front yard and we felt kind of taken care of that uh, these folks know what the spiritual atmosphere is like and what it takes to, to say, let's, let's install the presence of Jesus in, in our place. But I remember that first night when we put our kids to bed, uh, uh, putting my hands on their door frame of their room, uh, each one of them, and praying God's protection over them. And let me tell you, my devotional life was very, very strong in those first several uh, weeks there at that house, just knowing that we are moving into the territory of, of a spiritual enemy. Uh, you know, we fight, Paul says, not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers, principalities and powers. And so then the weapons of our warfare are not physical but they're spiritual and so prayer is so powerful and so significant and so important for um, for any kind of ministry that one does in these kinds of places um, I'm saying these things to build a uh, an understanding of the necessity of prayer and then because the only way we're going to advance the kingdom of God uh, even in our own world but in places like this where the spiritual atmosphere is so obvious uh, is, through, is through prayer. And, and, and I want to show you uh, one little clip here. Uh, and as they're preparing it, let me say, that this, let me say this. Um, that we, uh, we begin to sense as we would go throughout uh, Chiang Mai and begin to minister and be in this spiritual atmosphere. Um, one day, uh, I, Janie and I were driving in our car and we were looking, Just I was just kind of noticing the spirit houses on either side and we were talking about something that had happened. We'd made an, some, we'd seen some people saved, but then there was this great opposition against it and Janie made a comment. Seems like every time we make one step forward, Satan just rises up and pushes us back two steps. And um, I was thinking, how, how, can you, how can we exist in such an atmosphere of spiritual darkness? But, but I began to sense a dome of God's protection around us, that the God who lives in us, the God who dwells in us, he is greater than any power that's outside. And no matter what you're facing and no matter where you live, you have the God, we have the God of the universe in our lives. We have the God that's above all gods. We have the one who is greater than he that is in the world in us. Whatever you're facing, um, that light dwells in you and protects you and surrounds you. And that's the way we felt. We felt like we're in the middle of a black, dark place, but 
greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. There was that dome of care and protection around us. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're going through a black place, a dark place, a hard time, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that presence of Jesus in you is able to get you through whatever you're facing. And, um, but uh, here's an example of some of the spiritual darkness that we lived in. It's uh, about uh, a couple of uh, temples that were near where we lived. I lived in Chiang Mai, Thailand, just a couple of miles from a temple called Doi Kam Temple. Uh, this temple that was built in the 700s, so it's like 1400 years old. These are old places. And so they have an annual ceremony where they invite the demons to come out of the hills and come and eat this, this water buffalo. And the way it's done is they bring in a person who's uh, the shamanistic person, the, uh, a witch doctor basically. And uh, he works himself into a frenzy and becomes demon possessed. And so he takes in these demons that come out of the hills. And uh, then he rips into a wild uh, water buffalo with his knife and starts to cut it up and then starts to eat this raw flesh. Happens every year. And it be it's become a media uh, event. Uh, That's on the an blood basis he's drinking. In Chiang Mai. Another temple nearby is a uh, tattoo temple where tattoos are applied by demon-possessed monks who are using uh, spirit-possessed ink they concocted themselves that includes bits of hair or body parts from dead ancestors. And, uh, and they believe that applying these tattoos are ways of keeping bad spirits out. But what it actually happens is they're invoking the power of demonic spirits uh, into the, the people that they're tattooing. Uh, during the annual Y Crew uh, Day, Thai people by the thousands who's received tattoos from these monks come to that temple. And as they sit there in this massive crowd, uh, you'll see one after another after another suddenly become demon-possessed and they begin to shake and shout and some run around and, and hurt themselves and have to be restrained. They have guards on duty to, to help take these people out as they uh, demonstrate demonic influence in their, in their life. That day happened on March 4th. It happened last Saturday. Uh, these pictures were from before COVID, but our associates went uh, to um, our media guy, went on the 4th, so it was just last Saturday, a week ago Saturday, and, and did some more filming. It still happens today. Um, it's a normal part of life. People get uh, attacked by demonic pres uh, presence or fears, and they go to these places to get tattoos to protect themselves against demonic powers but instead get more filled with this stuff. So that's the kind of atmosphere that we live in. Again, these are, uh, these are reasons that it requires prayer. It requires spiritual uh, warfare to defeat. There's one other reason uh, that it's very, very difficult and challenging to reach Buddhist peoples, and I want to share that. That is that, um, oh, and I, 
Let me share this super quickly because there's a couple other things I want to share and where it's already 11.10. The philosophy of Buddhism comes from four noble truths that Buddha Buddha taught. He lived about four or five hundred years before Christ. And uh, and he he taught it in such a way that is very, very opposite of the gospel. If you were to say to a Buddhist person, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, First uh, thing you'd say for God, the Buddhist person would say, which God? There's many, many gods. And if there is a God, as Buddha was once asked, is there a God big enough to have created the world? Buddha said, if there is a God big enough to have created the world, he's evil because he created a world of suffering and trapped us all in it in birth, the cycle of birth, death, and rebirth because Buddhists believe in, in reincarnation and trapped us in that world and we cannot escape. So if God did that, he's an evil God. And so that would be their opinion of God. Secondly, they say um, God loved the world. Well, what's wrong with love? Love is bad, really. Ultimately, if you want to attain enlightenment in Buddhism, uh, Buddha taught, number one, life is suffering. Number two, suffering is caused by desires. And number three, to rid yourself of desires, you have to rid, to rid yourself of suffering, you have to rid yourself of all desires. That means you have to be, you have to train yourself through meditation to not want anything, to not desire anything. And, and they teach that the hardest desires, the first desires you have to get rid of are the bad desires, but the hardest desires to get rid of are, are the good desires. Even love itself leads to suffering. And so until you're willing to, to are able to no longer need to love someone or be loved, then you're not ready to attain enlightenment. And so the highest monks no longer love or need to be loved. And so ultimately, love is a bad desire. And so God who loved is a weak God. He's not yet reached that level of of separating himself from love. Thirdly, he died and suffered on a cross for us. And a Buddhist would look at the cross and say, uh, that is is evidence of very, very bad what? What? Karma, karma. So we've all heard of karma. So Jesus must have had such terrible karma to die on a cross in violence like that. Anyone who dies in violence is understood to have been a violent person in their previous life. So someone looking at the cross would say Jesus was a murderer or something horrible in his previous life to deserve a death like that. And finally, whoever believes will have everlasting life. A Buddhist uh, understands that they already have everlasting life. It's what they're trying to escape. And so the, it's opposite of the gospel. We, you, to present the gospel to a Buddhist person, you have to understand the context and you have to present it in a different way. And so the, these things require spiritual, not uh, strategic kinds of, 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 of strategy and evangelism. It requires prayer. It requires a spiritual moving of God on the hearts and lives of people. And I want to say this. That there are, that there are, um, there are four kinds of prayer. One is, uh, and there are many kinds of prayer, but I'll just uh, uh, um, just use use four for this morning. The first kind of prayer is worship prayer, and we any time we come to God, Jesus taught us we need to worship, we need to praise Him. We really should spend most of our prayer time in worship, exalting exalting God. Then a second kind of prayer is just uh, a communal prayer, where we just spend time with Jesus. God 
wants us to spend time with him. He created us for relationship with him. That's what the definition of Christianity is, is spending time with God. It's relating with God. And so our prayer time should be just spending time relating with God. A third kind of prayer is petition. And that is asking God for stuff. And Jesus said it's okay for us to ask God for things, for your daily bread. Um, but there's a, there's a fourth kind of prayer that many times we miss. And that's the kind of prayer that Moses prayed and, and others, in, especially in the Old Testament, uh, we can see powerful examples of the kind of prayer that really actually changes history. It changes God's direction. It changes God's mind. At least four times in Moses' life, Moses prayed before the Lord in such a way that God, that the, that the scripture says, God relented of the thing that he was going to do. God changed that plan. But one thing, that, that's a little a scary concept, isn't it? That God would change his mind because how can an unchangeable God change his mind, right? Um, we know that God never changes. The one thing about God that never changes is his goodness, is his promises to us. But there is one thing that God will change. And praise God that he will change that because otherwise we wouldn't even exist today and that is his promise of judgment. When God, when God promises judgment, and I believe that that's the purpose of prophecy, you look at the Old Testament prophets, major and minor prophets, when they came out and prof- prophesied judgment, what was the purpose of that prophecy? It was so that people would repent, so that people would turn from their sins, like Jonah when he went into Nineveh, and he said, in 40 days, this town's going to be destroyed. Uh, Why did God send him to say that? He sent him to say that so that Nineveh would repent, and from the king down to every person in that city, it says they'd put on sackcloth and ashes and fasted and cried out and repented before the Lord, and the Lord, what? changed his mind he did not destroy that city and so uh, that that's the privilege and the power and the privilege of intercessory prayer is calling on God saying God be merciful God be merciful Lord you love these people Lord it's your will that none perish but all come to repentance and 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 that's the role that you can play in missions. That's much more powerful than giving. It's much more powerful than sending. In fact, I'm, I, I'm convinced now that the role of intercessory prayer in reaching the Buddhist world is more important and more powerful than my role as a missionary in evangelizing. And I share that with all of our missionaries there in the Buddhist world right now. Say, until you realize and really accept the fact that prayer is going to make a bigger difference than what you're doing here on the field, then you're not going to have enough prayer. You're not going to ask for it enough. You're not going to be reaching out. So that's where, where Change the Map has come from. So Janie and I started Change the Map several years ago, and it's beginning to, to grow and go kind of uh, AG-wide now, uh, a focus on the Buddhist world. And uh, Change the Map is... Uh, ra- is purpose is to raise up uh, 50,000, right now is our goal, intercessors, people who are praying for the Buddhist world on a regular basis. And when that happens, I believe the spiritual atmosphere will begin to open in these places that has been closed so long. When the spiritual atmosphere opens, people run to God. People's hearts are open. People, when they hear the gospel, understand it instead of reject it. And uh, so that's what we're, we're, we're asking um, for you to do. We're asking that you 
participate not just financially in this global emphasis this month, but you also, uh, you'd also participate prayerfully. Uh, and uh, you can do that through Change the Map. Uh, God wants us to partner with him in reaching the lost. Uh, when we pray in an intercessory way, we are actually partnering with God to reach those God wants to reach anyway. And you know, God doesn't just do that on his own. God partners with us. I don't know why God has chosen to, to partner with us and to wait for us on these things. But he is waiting for us to go to our needs and say, God, God, do it. God, do it. And, uh, and to partner with him in these things. Uh, River of Life is starting a Change the Map prayer group under Pastor Corey. And uh, I'm going to ask you to all... I'll, I'll be a part of that, or as many of you as the Lord leads to be a part of it. But I think every one of us can be an intercessor. It's not, the intercession is not just for certain gifted people. But it, all of us can and really should take the most powerful weapon that God gives the church to change the world and use it for his glory. And so we're giving you a tool to do that called called change the map and and I'm gonna if you would pull out your cell phones and and shoot this QR code I think it I think it works uh, it was a little bit of a, a problem this week is our and oh and you also have it on your cards on your seat uh, and um, and it'll take you to uh, uh, that uh, change the map uh, page and you can hit join, and it'll give you instructions there. And then look for uh, River of Life prayer group. And Pastor Corey will be giving you updates on a regular basis, ways to pray. And then every week, you'll receive what we call our prayer moments uh, as we produce those every, every week from, from Thailand. So I believe that you, in doing this, will be a part of changing the Buddhist world for Jesus Christ even more than I am as a missionary. Um, and, I, and I am convinced that that is, is the case. Uh, would you do that? Would you consider being a part of the, of the great mission? And not just us, but every one of the missionaries that you support. Um, you, can, you can be world changers through doing that. I'm going to invite the, um, the musicians to come up and to play but I would like for us to, 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 to ask the Lord to move on behalf of the Buddhist world could we do that together let's, let's do that this morning would you stand let's all stand and just turn to the Lord and say God open the hearts of Buddhists and let's just start our prayer uh, group by praying as a, as a group. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, this morning we thank you that you are passionate about the whole world. Thank you, Lord, that you are passionate this morning about the Buddhist world as well. And Lord, we lift up our voices and ask you in Jesus' name to open the hearts of Buddhist peoples. When they hear the gospel, that they will hear and understand what's being said. They will understand your great love. They'll understand your power. They'll understand your holiness. They'll understand that you and you alone have, the li have life. You and you alone have salvation offered to them. Lord, we pray that the atmosphere would change in these dark places, that people would hunger for truth and hunger for you. 
And Lord, they would run for you. They would seek after you. And Lord, they would respond to the gospel message that churches would be planted, that church planting movements would happen, that nations would be touched and affected, oh God. And so, Lord, we take up the weapons of warfare, which are spiritual weapons, and we call out in Jesus' name, oh God, to rebuke the enemy, to rebuke the darkness, and to let your light, God, shine into these Buddhist nations. And Lord, I pray for River of Life. I pray that as they uh, step out into the mission sending and giving, that they will also step out in a big way in prayer that you would use this church to change the nations as they call out in prayer for you. And I pray for anyone who's here this morning who hears, has heard a call, Lord, to go as well. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be clear in their hearts this morning and you would continue to speak to them and call them. Lord, continue to call workers, we pray, into this harvest field. And so we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. And I want to do this today. Oh, man, there was, there was so much, so much in that. Uh, and, and just even as, as Mark was speaking, I could just feel different directions that God could speak to me today, whether it's, you know, this idea of God using the weakest. I love that, that it's just, it's always, it's not just the weakest, it's the weakest of the weak. You know, this idea of that's how God then gets glory. You know, he, there's not a lot of glory if you pick the best person and they win. You're like, well, yeah, of course they're going to win. You know, but when you pick the underdog of the underdogs, and God uses us, you know, that's amazing. And this, this idea of just greater is he who's in us than who's in the world. These ideas of how we can be praying. Uh, and then this idea that God partners with us. There's so much responsibility in that. Like, does that actually hit us in the way that we understand that? Like, God partners with us. And he does it in a way where he's not going to just do it on his own. It's not like, you know, we're in a group project and we're that lame member of the group that doesn't pull their weight and do anything. And God's like, all right, fine, I'll still get it done. Like, God is absolutely, he is using us. He's using the church. That's his plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B. And so when we choose not to step into that role and to partner with him, then we are choosing to basically end that right there. And so we, we do want to challenge you guys. We're going to do this. We're actually, ushers, you could get ready. We, we are going to take one offering today just towards change the map. And there is a financial side of things that has to happen in some of these missions organizations. But I want to say this. Last year, we had a much heavier emphasis on what can we do financially to support some of these projects. And I think that depending on where you are in the world, there are different needs. There are different ways that God is trying to move forward and there are things that we can do here. And sometimes there are things that we can do without even leaving where we are. And part of that is financial things. But we have been feeling as a church that this year, as we look at the side of this missions and global project that we're focused on, that the biggest answer here is prayer. That it's prayer. And so here's what's going to happen. Ushers, you guys can actually even just begin to pass those buckets. If you want to give, if you want to give at a later time, you can do that. You can write it on an envelope. You can write change the map on that. All right, but as this is being passed, I want to challenge us with prayer. All right, this is the main area that we want to be focused this month. Okay? 
And so next week, we are going to close this series by really talking about how can we step into a role of prayer? How can we step in to being right arm in arm with missionaries like Mark and Janie and all the other missionaries that we support that, that we can step in line with them and we can be helping them and so we want to challenge us next week alright now if you were trying to get into that group you know if you scan that QR code it brings you somewhere I believe there's an app right there's an app for change the map and you can download the app you can go to that either way you have to create a profile okay you have to create an account and that's fine because we want to move forward so next week we are going to be challenging how do we play a bigger role in the mission field with our prayer all right, that's where we want to go this, this year with Change the Map. Instead of going a direction of, okay, how can we financially really make a massive impact? That's, that's part of it. We always want to give a chance for us to do that. But next week, we are really going to focus on what does this look like for, for prayer for our missionaries, prayer for the Buddhist world, prayer to truly begin to take root in our lives in a way where we can make an impact. Because I believe that we can. And Mark believes that we can. And he's the one that's actually seeing this day in and day out, feeling it. Their family is in these moments. They're feeling that prayer. And so if he's going to get up here and say, this matters, we need this, then I am going to 100% believe him. Because he is the one that's on the field doing this. And so I want to be part of that. I want to answer that call. And I want to challenge all of us as a church to do the same. All right, if you aren't able to get into Change the Map, just contact Pastor Aaron or myself. We'll help you figure that out, get in there. But we want to begin uh, to just have a massive uh, footprint of prayer in our world and in the global missions. All right, I'm going to close with some prayer here. God, we thank you for uh, those that have answered these calls, that they have gone, they feel that, that pull. And Lord, even this morning, maybe someone in here has kind of felt that before. And they were beginning to wonder, is that me? Is that what I'm supposed to do? God, that if that's where you're leading them, that you would just uh, right now begin to confirm some of those things in their life. God, maybe even just this prayer right now is some amount of confirmation for them that you are calling them to this. Lord, for all of us, that we would all be part of what you are doing globally. God, that we'd be part of it financially, but even more so, we would be part of it with our prayers, that we'd be part of it spiritually, that we can link arms and be part of this. So God, we pray that there just would be a, an uprise in, in the amount of spiritual warfare that's happening, Lord, that, that, that the American church could partner with the missionaries, the churches that are there. Lord, then we'd begin to see change in the Buddhist world. That we wouldn't see these same type of statistics, like 85% of Buddhists have never met a Christian, that instead we'd just be, begin to see things break through. Jesus, we ask this in your name.